Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. When one tries to follow Lebanese politics, it is as if nothing of significance took place in Beirut, Tripoli, Baalbek, and the other cities and districts over since deep into the last century. The same names of political families and dynasties are heard now as in 2005, 1990, or even earlier. Maronite Shiite and Sunni power brokers jockey for position and enjoy the forbidden fruits of corruption while the country sinks into an economic and social abyss. What is in the cards for Israel's poor and strife-torn neighbor to the north? To analyze this topic, we're joined from central Israel by Ms. Paula Slear, who is the Middle East Bureau Chief at Russia Today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Also joining us from another location in central Israel is Dr. Neil Bohms, who is a research fellow at the Moshe Dayan Center at Tel Aviv University. Thank you for joining us as well. Good to be here. And with me here in the studio is our TV7 analyst and host of Watchmen Talk, uh, Mr. Amir Oren. And Amir, uh, let's immediately dive into the the country called Lebanon. What can you elaborate on this? Well, Lebanon, and uh, as you uh, mentioned, the so-called country of Lebanon uh, has gone from being an oasis uh, into an abyss, or at least uh, looking into the abyss, in a very chaotic uh, situation. Now, we are trying to look at Lebanon, not uh, only in general terms, but from an Israeli perspective. And Lebanon used to be the quiet neighbor uh, to the north until in the late 1960s, those Palestinians who were pushed from the West Bank of the Jordan River into the East Bank, and then um, had a conflict with uh, King Hussein of Jordan, settled in Lebanon, turned it into a launching pad against Israel, and this caused uh, two reactions. One was Israel's military forays into Lebanon, and the other was the Syrian intervention in 1975 uh, on behalf of uh, the Palestinians uh, at first. Uh, and all the uh, Christians uh, at first against the Palestinians and their Muslim allies. And then, of course, after the uh, Khomeini revolution, it all uh, turned into the uh, Amal and the Hezbollah Shiite organizations' a growth against the other powers uh, in Lebanon. Just to cut uh, the very long uh, story short, what we have seen over the last several months was the collapse of the Lebanese economy. To give you an example, the Lebanese lira, uh, which is supposedly pegged uh, uh, to the uh, dollar, uh, 1,500 liras to the dollar, uh, has lost some 80 or 90% of its value. And that means that even the security forces cannot earn a decent livelihood. There is nothing to keep the country uh, from uh, uh, tearing itself uh, apart. You have Hezbollah as the uh, strongest militia. You have uh, outside forces such as Iran. You have France trying to broker some sort of corruption-free um, technocrat-led uh, government. And the latest is that uh, 
President Aoun, who is a Maronite, according to the Constitution, could not reach a compromise with Prime Minister Saad Hariri, uh, a Sunni, according to the Constitution, and um, uh, the Speaker of the Parliament, Nabi Berry, again, a Shiite, according to the Constitution, broke ranks with Hezbollah, uh, uh, the organization which at times has been his partner and at times his rival. Talking about, of course, Saad al-Khariri, the fact that he's the designate prime minister. Uh, and there is, of course, also a caretaker prime minister, Hassan Diab, who is backed by Hezbollah, while Khariri is against Hezbollah. And there is, there is no functioning uh, democracy uh, in Lebanon because when the uh, uh, reasons for the blast, the horrific blast last August, were... Um, investigated by a judge, the judge was dismissed before he could name politicians as being responsible for it. So the rule of law does not apply to Lebanon. Indeed. And unfortunately, uh, in light of the current situation, uh, in reference to the corona uh, crisis, uh, there is uh, a challenge for a lot of journalists to travel to Lebanon. The the capacity to really uh, cover the stories is uh, near impossible. But I'd like to ask you, Paula, specifically on this. You've traveled extensively prior to the crisis to Lebanon. You've been there also through the initial stages of the Sting campaign, as they call it. Give us a little bit of an understanding from what you have seen when you were there at the time and how things developed since. Well, the last time I was in Beirut was in August last year, just after the port blast that saw more than 200 people killed. And certainly I can give you a sense of the growing frustration. I mean, I was also there back in 2015 covering the garbage crisis when you had millions of bags just lining the streets of Beirut full of garbage. Now, when you actually there, so for example, and I saw the explosion at the port, the government saying that it's going to cost them between 15 and 20 billion dollars to restore. The people they're saying that they don't trust the government because the government is widely blamed for actually causing that blast in the first place. And the same with the garbage crisis. So there's an increasing dissatisfaction on the streets uh, from people who simply don't believe in the government. So you have this growing, as Amir said, this growing political deadlock. You have this financial meltdown. You have rising poverty. You have that port blast. And then, of course, you have corona. The, the country of Lebanon, so one of the harshest lockdowns, with some 6,000 people killed. So I think what we're going to see more of is increasing numbers of people taking to the streets. It is certainly a pity that the international media isn't focused on what is happening there. But there is a growing sense of frustration amongst the public. The problem with these protests is that they're not homogenic. There's no unification. And it's really just disjointed groups taking to the streets to vent their anger and frustration. Having said that, I don't think people want another revolution and that people are very careful not to have another civil war. But certainly the trust for the Lebanese government is at an all-time low. Dr. Bones, how do you view it? Well, I think it's important to look at what perhaps has changed with the demonstrations. Lebanon has seen many demonstrations. Uh, It had seen camps of demonstrations for Hezbollah and anti-Hezbollah. Uh, but what I think that's interesting in the last uh, few weeks and months is that some of the Shia camp uh, comprises uh, uh, about uh, half of the Muslim population in Lebanon and itself divided between the Amal movement and Hezbollah movement have 
became increasingly angry with some of their leadership. Uh, there was uh, there were some interesting slogans I caught in the last couple of weeks. Uh, for example, uh, where uh, uh, Nasrallah, the Secretary General of Hezbollah, was bragging on uh, you know the, the readiness and the missiles, and, and people have said, well, why don't you sell some missiles and give us something to eat? Uh, these uh, types of uh, slogans uh, coming also and seen also in Shia neighborhoods are somewhat new and interesting and worthy of uh, attention because, uh, uh, again, if you take the, the other side of it, uh, the Maronite uh, patriarch Al-Rai speaks about the idea of uh, uh, the, the Lebanese ethos and that Lebanon needs to be Lebanon. It doesn't need to be controlled by another country. That country uh, very clearly here is Iran. Um, so this particular dynamic, along with the the, the, the crisis, uh, the currency, the economy, uh, the, the COVID crisis uh, may produce something uh, uh, new. We have seen this split um, and the Hezbollah who had gained forces also in, in the government uh, now uh, potentially may lose uh, uh, some of its uh, power and influence. Uh, the, the French plan, what Hariri, Saad Hariri, uh, the uh, um, designate prime minister, uh, the government is trying to form is a government of technocrats, government of professionals. This is also something there that Hezbollah camp would very much would not like to see because it will uh, bring out of the government uh, people like uh, Hamid Hassan, the minister of health, or uh, 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 Imad Hubala, the minister of industry. And these are people who were able to help Hezbollah get uh, influence and funds uh, for different projects. They are the ones who were able to maintain their influence uh, with financial means. Uh, all of them are being depleted. And therefore, uh, this particular crisis may uh, potentially be uh, uh, somewhat, uh, maybe significant for future political developments. And the other uh, piece that's worth mentioning in here is the role of uh, Russia. Uh, Hezbollah delegation uh, had been in Moscow uh, 10 days ago. They, they were received uh, not... Uh, uh, in honors welcome, um, and they were asked uh, uh, to uh, tone down. They were asked to, uh, according to some reports, to uh, take some of the missiles they have and actually bring them back to Iran. Uh, that was a message from Jerusalem. They were given the locations of their missiles, saying, look, uh, this is already on Israel's uh, uh, radar. Uh, Hezbollah's delegation was not very happy, but this also shows that Russia is really the real arbitrator in the Middle East, in Lebanon, in Syria, and much beyond. Of course, for Israel, uh, it will much rather have uh, Lebanon under Russia than Lebanon under Iran. Uh, before we ask you, Paula, about the, the Russian angle of things uh, with regard to this meeting, uh, Mr. Owen, when we're talking about Lebanon, it, it's very sectarian. There, there are different denominations. Of course, uh, you have uh, the, the Sunnis and Muslims, uh, Sunni Muslims and Shiite Muslims, which comprise the largest uh, amount of, of uh, uh, Lebanese population residing in Lebanon at this stage, uh, seconded, of course, by uh, the Maronite Christians. But just to give a, a glimpse of uh, the complexities, if you just look at uh, the Rafik al-Hariri International Airport, which is named after the slain prime minister assassinated by a Hezbollah operative just uh, uh, a decade and a half ago, approximately, uh, for being too anti-Iranian and too anti-Hezbollah. And then from that airport, the highway going into Beirut and crossing Beirut is called Ayatollah Ruhaili uh, uh, 
Uh, so you, you suddenly have the same person uh, who started the Islamic revolution and, and uh, pushed for Iran to advance its revolutionary ideal throughout the region and throughout the world for that matter. How is that complexity actually being monitored and dealt with, not only by Israel, but by also Western powers and Eastern powers, as we hear also Russia being involved? Well, the makeup of Lebanon uh, is indeed impossible. It all started under the Ottomans and um, the uh, unification of the Beirut district with other parts uh, of uh, uh, Lebanon, the, the anti-Lebanon mountains, the, the Shuf uh, district, the, uh, the Bekaa, and, and the poor uh, southern uh, part of Lebanon. This was illogical, um, and uh, it diluted the uh, homogeneity of um, Beirut. Uh, now, uh, this is uh, probably irreversible. Uh, we are uh, a long way from trying to, to undo it. And therefore, they are still going to be at each other's throats. And only a very powerful ruler uh, of the uh, Hafez Assad kind, not to mention other more remote uh, uh, tyrants like Gaddafi or Saddam Hussein, uh, could rule Lebanon with an iron head from the outside. Left to its own devices, Lebanon cannot function, cannot uh, rule itself. And you have this mix of, um, and, and uh, I'm already asking uh, for Paula's permission because I'm going to list off several terms starting with P. It's politics, population, propaganda, prestige, and you have and the precision-guided munitions that Hezbollah wants. And against that, you have poverty. People are going um, very, very poor now. They, they don't have uh, the uh, money to buy uh, foodstuff. Uh, the uh, bank accounts uh, were blocked. And uh, the country is uh, on the verge of collapse. And when someone from outside, such as President Macron tries to come in and sort it out, those politicians who have a lot to lose are blocking his move into Lebanon. So something has to give. Um, on other occasions, one would say the army would probably intervene the way it did in 1958 when uh, General Shihab became the uh, president. But now Hezbollah is much stronger than the Lebanese armed forces. So this is not going to happen. Indeed, which uh, talking, of course, about uh, France and, and international support uh, uh, prerequisites upon, of course, uh, uh, significant reform, which is necessary in order to bring about change and uh, save Lebanon. But, considering know, also since uh, uh, this year's projection for 2021, they're speaking about 45% of all essential businesses going bankrupt. Right, and another P is Palestine. There is no reason for the Lebanese to fight for Palestine when they can hardly survive on their own. And it's a pity that they don't reach a compromise with Israel on the water conflict, on the Mediterranean economic zone. Um, we could have shared uh, the gas resources there, but, and it's really only Hezbollah 
for um, reasons which had nothing to do with the uh, welfare of the Lebanese, which is blocking it. Talking about uh, the meeting in uh, Moscow, Paula, what can you tell us about it? Were there uh, concrete demands from Moscow towards the Iranian-backed militia, considering the fact that obviously the Russian Federation is looking about the wider picture here, which is to safeguard the Assad regime from total collapse? Well, firstly, the meeting took place earlier this month, and it's, we're certainly seeing a situation where Hezbollah is in a weakened position. It was, it was mentioned earlier that it's also losing popular support on the streets of Lebanon. So the question is being asked whether or not Russia is able to use Hezbollah to present it as a much stronger king player in terms of what is happening in Lebanon. Lebanon is important for Russia because you can think of it as being an extension of Russia's interests in Syria. So, for example, you had your Russian army fighting alongside your Lebanese Hezbollah fighters in Syria to prop up the government of the Syrian president Bashar Assad. This instability that is happening currently in Lebanon is not necessarily a bad thing for Russia. And, and, and to that extent, we do see that the Russians were taking advantage of it. Not necessarily that the Russians would want to see the collapse or not want to see the collapse of the government. They certainly feel that the protests are also being motivated by Western interests. I do want to make the point that France is very involved in what is happening in Lebanon. And recently, France has been pursuing closer relations with Moscow, with Russia. And France certainly wants to see the Russians come to the party and, and see a, a, a peaceful outcome to what is happening. It's widely expected that President Putin will pay lip service to this. It's not necessarily in his interest to see the Lebanese government collapse. I mean, the Russian policy has always been against seeing that kind of thing happen, partly because it could trigger it happening in Russia and also because it believes in legitimate governments hanging onto their seats and change only coming through the vote. We don't know exactly what were the demands that were placed on Hezbollah, but certainly we have a situation that Moscow is playing an increasingly more important role in Lebanon, and it's certainly a role that it welcomes. Indeed. Dr. Bombs, uh, let's bring Turkey into the mix. Uh, right after the blast that occurred in the port of Beirut, we saw multiple trips by various Turkish officials coming, including Mevlucu Shuglu. Uh, the vice president who went there and, and other uh, individuals who really sought to offer Turkish assistance, uh, not only to, Turk, uh, to uh, Lebanon as a whole, but to the Sunni Muslim communities. They are seeking in a certain degree to replace possibly Saudi Arabia. How do you see that? Well, the Turkish attempts are not new. Uh, president uh, Erdogan attempts to uh, solidify Turkey as a regional uh, force. Uh, it had seen a number of uh, obstacles, not resolving the uh, uh, Turkish economy and the sanctions that had, uh, 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 really uh, created the, uh, a scenario in where he had lost a lot of his currency. But still, there are opportunities, and, and losing ally after ally, uh, finding additional allies uh, in Lebanon is something that uh, the Turkish president would like to uh, pursue. This is also maybe very interesting in the context of the broader geopolitical uh, picture that we're drawing here. Uh, because if uh, the Turks will assist the Sunni and then uh, in turn uh, will create a coalition that will further weaken the Hezbollah camp, that potentially may help uh, uh, 
a shift in Lebanon, um, and if the Turkey will be perceived as playing a more positive role along, let's say, uh, that one that is played with, by the French, uh, that may get at least the President Erdogan some points vis-a-vis his uh, very turbulent relationships with uh, Europe. Uh, I don't think this dynamic is the most important uh, within the context that we are uh, describing here, but it certainly uh, exists. Uh, and we always need to remember that Turkey uh, is there to stay uh, and that President Erdogan is not going to lose an opportunity to assert and exert influence and power. Mr. Oren, where does the United States come into uh, this whole conundrum of, of challenges? Is it really uh, remaining at the level of just remarks and statements from press briefing rooms in Washington, or is it actually working also on the ground? And to what degree are uh, the Israelis coordinated on this matter through their American counterparts, considering the fact that the, the maritime dispute with Lebanon was also uh, brokered by the United States under the previous administration uh, of uh, the former President Donald Trump? Well, we, when you look at uh, what um, the uh, Biden administration uh, has been doing in the uh, first um, two months of its existence, it has put domestic policies ahead of foreign policy. It has put diplomacy ahead of warfare, the Far East ahead of the Near East or the Middle East, and it is yet to formulate a policy vis-a-vis -vis the region, perhaps it is uh, waiting for a stable Israeli government in order to do it. It has not focused yet on any of the uh, region's uh, problems, perhaps except for Yemen. And then uh, they uh, uh, drove very hard uh, to the Saudis the point that human rights take precedence uh, to um, strategic uh, interests. Which, so, to the dismay of the Biden administration, even though the Saudis seemingly acquiesced to the request with, uh, of course, the announcement of uh, the uh, new Saudi-led initiative, let's call it that way, uh, through the by means of the United Nations, still the war in Yemen is devastating and the Houthis are not budging anywhere with Iranian support. To Le add. Lebanon is far down the uh, list of possible agenda items for Biden. Um, it has not yet um, had the attention span to include Lebanon. Perhaps if tomorrow it is uh, formally declared a failed state, perhaps if there is a civil war or famine or some other catastrophe, it will deal with it. But for the time being, um, it is uh, not on anyone's radar. Not enough PR to be gained here. Uh, Ms. Lear, looking at Lebanon right now, what is the main challenge you would uh, like to point at and how to deal with that challenge, uh, considering all the various uh, uh, points of discussion we just uh, led? I think the most urgent thing that needs to happen is for a new government to be formed. I mean, you have essentially seven months that we haven't seen any kind of movement on that. And there was recently a meeting between the president and the prime minister, Hariri. And Hariri is pushing for some kind of technocratic government. We have President Aoun, who has his own candidates that he's putting forward. And Hariri is countering that by saying he wants to form some kind of minority 
force that can veto any kind of developments. And then you have the growing sentiment on the street with people saying this political bickering is not actually achieving anything. At the same time, I want to make a point about Hezbollah. I think Hezbollah is choosing to rather manage the situation and the conflict rather than resolve it. It, of course, is watching what is happening with Iran, which supplies it with its funds, and the administration of Joe Biden, and whether or not the, there is going to be a resumption of the talks. And of course, that will impact just how much money Hezbollah receives from Iran in terms of which it can operate. We're looking at a country that really could soon become a failed state. And I think that this story needs to be more on the front line and in the headlines because you have a situation where you're not just talking about what happens domestically in terms of Lebanon, but in terms of how that will impact the region and countries further afield. Dr. Bums, uh, your take on, on where things may be heading from here and what should be done. Of course, uh, uh, the challenges of receiving enough international uh, or becoming part of the international stage at this point uh, we heard, of course, in the uh, last uh, informal meeting of the European Commission's uh, foreign ministers uh, meeting, we heard Jean-Yves Le Drian, the French foreign minister, urging uh, EU member states to uh, raise Lebanon and bring it on the agenda, something that doesn't really seem to take hold within the interests of the international community at this stage. We, we've heard this before. Lebanon has been a bit under the radar. The international community in the past year has been busy with other issues. But I think if I were to focus on one important obstacle that Lebanon has, uh, this is Hezbollah. This is the obstacle for the maritime border agreement, which could have uh, certainly in the medium and long term uh, uh, marched it's Lebanon's economy together. This is the obstacle uh, that prevents uh, the uh, creation of a government that will be able to bring Hezbollah, sorry, to bring Lebanon uh, out of uh, this uh, crisis. Um, and this is also the Iran uh, dimension, uh, which, of course, uh, the Europeans, the Americans, uh, you know, not to mention the Israelis, and the uh, Arab Sunni states are, are pushing, and now uh, along with the Russians, to diminish their weight and influence, and in that sense, to diminish Hezbollah's. Uh, impact over there. This is the real battle over Lebanon. And the Lebanese, uh, some of the Lebanese figures, certainly not from the Hezbollah side, have said, uh, are we going to lose Lebanon or are we going to become Lebanese? They've even said, uh, and this is uh, the, the Maronite patriarch, that uh, other uh, uh, countries in the neighborhood, uh, re referring uh, south uh, to Israel uh, and then to the Gulf, had pursued uh, and their conflicts using diplomatic uh, uh, means. Why can we not do that? Of course, that's not the Hezbollah way. Uh, if uh, that uh, movement mm -hmm. will gain traction, um, uh, then uh, Lebanon could take a step, and I think it will be uh, uh, on the radar of both the Europeans, the Americans, and, 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 and the moderate Sunni states who will be very happy to help Lebanon move forward uh, once this obstacle called Hezbollah is out mm -hmm. of the way. Mr. Owen? Migrants who have come to work in Beirut uh, and lost their jobs have drifted towards Israel. This is a new danger for Israel. Uh, people who uh, went hungry, perhaps even locals in South Lebanon, could flood the Israeli border. Um, this is uh, uh, probably one of Israel's main uh, problems right now in the north. Well, this is all the time that we have for today, so I'd like to thank Ms. Lear, 
Dr. Bones, as well as Mr. Owen for being part of today's panel, and I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.